0: ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in network doctors near you. Once you find one you like, you can then book an appointment with them online instantly. In ZocDoc, there are tens of thousands of doctors, and each one comes with real reviews from real patients. Go to zocdoc.com slash 20k and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's zocdoc.com slash 20k. Zocdoc.com slash 20k. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. The original Star Wars trilogy was groundbreaking in all kinds of ways. The costumes were incredibly creative, the special effects were mind boggling, and for sound design, Star Wars was completely revolutionary. Whether or not you're a Star Wars fan is completely beside the point because you know exactly what a lightsaber sounds like. You also know what R2-D2 sounds like. And you also know what Darth Vader's breathing sounds like. These sound effects go well beyond the movie. They're a part of our creative culture and every bit as famous as the movie's most quoted lines.
1: The Force will be with you. Do. Or do not. There is no try. No. I am your father.
0: And there's a reason sound designers keep going back to Star Wars for inspiration, even today, decades later. The sounds of Star Wars do such a great job of immersing us in a galaxy far, far away, They make this wild world of aliens, robots, and space wizards feel real. Making these movies sound just right took an incredible amount of effort and creativity. And in the sound design world, the mastermind behind these sound effects is truly a legend. His name is Ben Burtt. Ben worked on Star Wars very early in his career. It was a massive undertaking filled with experiments and discoveries. I knew
1: very little, and so everything I did at that time was going down a new road to some extent.
0: That's Ben Burt in a 1993 interview for the Star Wars Laserdisc box set. Ben's interest in sound design started early. When Ben was just six, his father gave him a tape recorder. Growing up, Ben loved recording stories, TV shows, and any other interesting sounds he came across. By age 10, He was filming short dramas, complete with customized music and sound effects. Flash forward to Los Angeles in the early 70s. Ben had just earned his master's degree in film production from the USC School of Cinematic Arts. Across town, a young director named George Lucas was working on his third movie. George's dream was to adapt the 1936 sci-fi film, Flash Gordon, but as hard as he tried, he couldn't get the rights to one of the characters. So instead, he decided to make his own space opera. At the time, it was called The Star Wars. To bring his vision to life, George knew he'd need to bring in all kinds of creative talent. Unfortunately, George's go-to sound editor was unavailable. So he took a chance on a recent graduate named Ben Burt. Little did George and Ben know that that one decision set off a creative revolution in the field of sound design. Up until then, people working in sound departments were considered more like technicians. But with Star Wars, Ben made it clear that sound
2: design was an art of its own. He wasn't just editing sounds. He wasn't just dealing with dialogue and things like that. He was really creating a world from scratch, a character in the movie. That's Marshall McGee, a game sound designer and host of the YouTube show Waveform. Sound design is definitively a character in Star Wars.
0: Of course, sound is important in any movie but creating the sonic landscape of Star Wars was a monumental responsibility. The majority of a movie's soundtrack is created after it's filmed, and this is especially true for a film like Star Wars. Even the dialogue is probably only about 15 to 20% of the recordings from the set. Many of the actors have to re-record the lines later, and not to mention all of the creatures. For the sound effects, this includes everything from footsteps, cloth rustle, the handling of props,
1: to... Sound of vehicles, weapons, aliens, and exploding Death Stars.
0: Star Wars was a Fox film, and this allowed Ben to access sound effects from their old classic library. A quick note. Some of these Ben Burtt interview clips are from a commentary track for the Star Wars Blu-ray set, so you'll sometimes hear the movie playing in the background while he talks.
1: Being a real fan of the old sound effects, I did pull a few things and, and use them here and there.
0: But Ben wanted Star Wars to have a totally unique sonic signature, so he made the vast majority of the sound effects from scratch.
1: Most of the effort was put into customizing original sounds for the movie.
0: To get these sounds just right, He'd have to go find them out in the real world. The first one he found would become the king of Star Wars sound effects.
1: An elegant weapon for a more civilized age.
2: The lightsaber was the first sound that Ben Burtt made for the Star Wars movies. And I think that's an important detail because when you think about establishing a world when you're starting a new project, it's important to get the sort of mood right from the beginning. And I think the lightsabers, because of the iconic role they play in the story, it's, it was probably really important for Ben Bird to sit down and say, here's what this Jedi weapon is going to sound like. Here, here's what the main emotion of this weapon's going to feel like. Ben was just leaving
0: USC film school at the time, and he had a part-time job as a projectionist for the school. The projection booth had these 35-millimeter theater projectors.
1: Which, when they were just turned on and sat idle, they had a very interesting humming sound. This was
0: caused by the interlock motors inside of the projectors.
1: And I used to be in the booth working, and I would uh, enjoy that sound. It was a nice musical kind of hum.
0: To demonstrate Ben's techniques, Marshall recreated the sound of a lightsaber from the ground up. Here's his emulation of an idling projector, which he made on a synthesizer. As soon as Ben saw the artwork for the lightsaber he knew he had to go record the projector hum
1: So I went and recorded the hum and held on to it as the basis for the lightsabers
2: When he recorded that originally he thought it was a good start but it didn't really sound mean yet It didn't really sound like it could do any damage yet Ben discovered that mean sound by accident He was
0: walking across his apartment with a partially broken microphone cable and a tape recorder Then he walked near the television set.
1: The microphone picked up the buzz from the television picture tube, just a direct electronic interference. What you're hearing now is Marshall's
0: recreation of that sound. Ben combined the buzz with the projector hum to
2: create the foundation of the lightsaber. Now, when you finish making that, it's just a loop. It's just a humming loop, which on its own sounds cool, but it doesn't sound like it's moving yet. It doesn't have any place in the environment. Ben
0: needed to find a way to perform this loop. He played it over a speaker and then re-recorded that sound with another microphone. When he waved the microphone back and forth in front of the speaker, it would create a Doppler effect. A Doppler effect is when there's a change in pitch in relation to the object and observer moving toward or away from each other. I know that sounds complicated, but a common example is a car driving by blasting its horn. To our ears, we hear the pitch of the horn increase and then decrease as it zooms by.
1: And by doing that, I was able to take the steady sound of the lightsaber and give it a sense of movement, of coming to and fro or back and forth.
2: It sounds like it's a physical beam of light that's arcing through the environment. It just sounds so real. Again, here's
0: the humming loop Marshall made. Mm. And here's that same humming loop with a Doppler effect Marshall added to it. Binbert combined unique sounds with a unique performance. This made each swing feel real and added a
2: special human touch. It could have easily been a very sci-fi sound, it could have very easily been a synthesizer or something, but it sounds so grounded in reality. I think that's, that's the sound for me that gets me every time.
0: Just like the TV buzz and the lightsaber, Ben found the sound for the blasters completely by accident.
2: So there's this great story of Ben Bird hiking through the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. He was hiking and his backpack caught on a a guy wire that was leading up to a radio tower, one of the giant metal wires that connects a radio tower to the ground. And he heard what sounded like a blaster sound. And you can sort of get an idea of what he heard if you have a slinky in your house. If you stretch it out across a room and you hit it with a metal object on one end, you can hear this sort of this sound of the frequencies bouncing back and forth in the metal wire. He found this great wire out in the middle of the desert and took a a contact microphone out and put it on the wire and started hitting it with a wrench. And what he got were the base of the blaster sounds for Star Wars.
0: These guy wire recordings also led to another sound. Ben noticed that when the wind blew through the wires, it created a musical sounding hum.
1: It actually was producing a musical note. It was almost a musical chord.
0: This sound ended up being perfect for the interior background hum of the Y-Wings.
1: The guns, they've stopped. Stabilize your rear deflectors. Watch for enemy fighters.
0: Now, Y-Wings are
2: cool, but the coolest sounding ships in Star Wars are the TIE Fighters. The TIE Fighters are one of my favorite sounds in Star Wars. I mean, talk about like an emotional, gripping spaceship sound. That spaceship is, is an enemy spaceship. That's not a friendly spaceship. It's roaring at me. The TIE Fighter was made with two main elements, again. The first being the sound of a car passing by a microphone on wet pavement. And then layered on top of that are these elephant growls, these horrible elephant growls. Not a lot of people even know elephants make this sound, but they do growl from time to time and they produce this, this insane roaring.
0: And here's Marshall's re-sound design, blending these sounds together.
2: So those two elements layered together are what creates the bass loop for the TIE fighter.
0: This was one of those times when Ben used the Fox sound library. Here's a clip of some elephants from the 1958 movie The Roots of Heaven. Sound familiar? (laughs) This technique of layering animal sounds into sound effects is actually pretty
2: common. You find animal layers in a lot of stuff. It's a very widely used technique in sound design. I think the two examples that come to mind that people use animal layers a lot are explosions and gunshots, or car engines, for example, car starts. Like if you listen to car starts in in film, there's very often (laughs) a lion growl layered in with a car start just to make it sound even that much more full-bodied and that much more interesting. Here's the sound of a car starting.
0: And here's a roaring lion. Now, this is what it sounds like when we layer those two together.
2: I like it in explosions too when an explosion's going on you're just looking for character there's there's something missing like if you listen through libraries of explosion recordings a lot of them sound great but they just are missing an element of character or like an emotional component and i find that sometimes i'll layer in like the sound of a screeching as an explosion goes off just to get that extra that extra little intrigue in the in the high end of a of an explosion here's an explosion sound effect
0: And here's a red-tailed hawk screech. Now, let's put them together.
2: One of the main benefits to using animal sounds as a layer in design, whether they're obvious or not, is that animals already have a place in our minds as sort of representing something. So, for example, an elephant growl like that may be terrifying. You know, a bird chirp may be sort of small and evoke the idea of stealth or like a, you know, a smaller vehicle. Or, for example, a whale might evoke something more emotional and, and low. And as human beings, we already have in our minds ideas of what different animals represent to us.
0: To demonstrate this, Marshall made several alternate TIE Fighter sounds using different animals.
2: This bass layer is the car pass by that I made to layer under all these and sort of give them consistency. So here's a version of the TIE Fighter sound that instead of the elephant, I played a snake sound. And this version I used a bunch of different bird chirps layered on top of each other. And then this final version I made with some underwater recordings of different whales and sea creatures.
0: These alternate designs show that just one layer can change the ship's entire emotional impact. The elephant growls used in the TIE Fighter make us feel fear on a primal level. And that's why they are so powerful. Making sound effects for the weapons and ships of Star Wars was hard enough. But there's a whole other category of sounds that we haven't even brought up yet. Star Wars is brimming with quirky robots and bizarre aliens. And they all have their own unique personality. Giving voices to characters like Chewbacca and R2-D2 were some of the biggest challenges Ben faced. That's coming up after this. Why should you learn another language with Babbel? Well, there are a ton of reasons, but let's see how many I can fit into 60 seconds. First, Babbel works fast. You can start having conversations in another language in as little as three weeks. Next, it makes overseas vacations more fun and less stressful. I used it all the time on my last trip to Italy. If you work with foreign collaborators, Babbel can help you deepen those relationships. It's a fun thing to do when you need a break, and it's way better than doom scrolling. Babbel teaches you about other cultures. Speaking for myself, learning something new just makes me feel good. It's very affordable. And finally, signing up for Babbel helps support 20,000 Hertz. Okay, make that eight reasons, or otto ragioni, as they'd say in Italian. To get started on a new language today, here's a special limited time deal for 20,000 Hertz listeners. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription right now at babbel.com slash 20k. This offer is only available for our listeners. That's B A B B E L dot com slash 20k for 55% off. Babbel.com slash 20k. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode's Mystery Sound is sponsored by Sonos, the wireless sound system for brilliant sound anywhere. Here it is. And again. If you think you know what that sound is, let us know at the web address mystery.20k.org. If you guess it right, you'll be entered to win one of our world-famous super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirts. Stick around to the end of the show to hear the reveal of last episode's mystery sound. And thanks again to Sonos. Shop the latest speakers and soundbars at sonos.com. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search, and that's where Indeed can help. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's Smart Matching Engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash hertz. That's indeed.com/slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed. For his work on Star Wars, Ben Burt is considered one of the forefathers of modern sound design. To create these iconic sound effects, Ben spent countless hours recording sounds out in the world. Really, just anything that caught his ear.
1: Animals, aircraft carriers, jets, appliance motors, whatever it might be. Eventually, Ben built up a personal
0: library made up of thousands of hand-recorded sounds. Back in the studio, he manipulated them and mixed them together like a mad scientist. For instance, in The Empire Strikes Back... The Millennium Falcon's hyperdrive keeps breaking down. To make the sound effect for it, Ben combined eight different recordings. One of these sounds was a starter on a vintage biplane. There was some hissing air from a piece of dental equipment. The sound of an arc light motor. There was the motor of a tank turret recorded from inside the tank. Then there was the sound of the groaning old pipes from the building Ben worked in. Here's a clip of Ben mixing these sounds together in his studio. And here it is in the movie. Brady! <laughs> That's it. Think about the hours of recording it took to make that one sound effect. Now multiply that for all of the sound effects in the original Star Wars trilogy. Keep in mind that this was before the age of computers. Back then, you had to record everything to tape. Today, sound designers have access to digital sound libraries that come with thousands
2: of pre recorded sounds. I have everything on my computer. I have three terabytes of sounds that are just like, I can just click on anything and instantly hear it. The convenience of digital sound libraries is a
0: bit of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it means that amateur filmmakers don't need access to all kinds of expensive equipment in order to have sound effects. On the other hand, it means that Ben's analog style of recording everything manually is a lot less common.
2: I mean, when you look at Ben Burt's work and you think, okay, basically everything other than a few things that he drew from the Fox library, basically everything was a recording project. He was out there getting sounds from, you know, hitting a guy wire with a wrench for the blasters and things like that. And you don't see that very often anymore because, you know, people who grew up with digital audio just sort of open their library and they go, well, do I have any laser guns in my library? There's a temptation there to start every sound from within your own library or in the box, as they say. At some point, that approach can stifle your creativity. It can just sort of feel stagnant when you design that way. It acts as a crutch because, you know, your work starts to sound the same if you just use the same library over and over again. For Ben, virtually everything had to be made outside the box.
0: This was especially true when creating the sounds of the many strange characters of Star Wars. Unlike a Stormtrooper's blaster, which might be something you could somewhat reuse— Each of the characters needed a whole set of sounds or even a believable alien language. One early challenge was Darth Vader. In the script, Vader was described as having a whole life support system in his suit. And Ben experimented with all sorts of things, beeping, clicking, breathing.
1: And he sounded like the ER, the whole room at once, you know? It was too much, it was kind of distracting.
0: So Ben cut it back to just the breathing which has actually been breathing through a scuba tank regulator.
2: That sound was then taken back to the studio and pitched down and became the iconic breathing loop of Darth Vader.
0: (laughs) As you may know, Darth Vader's menacing voice was performed by James Earl Jones, but Jones wasn't the person in the Vader costume. On set, Darth Vader was played by character actor David Prowse. Prowse did perform Vader's lines while filming, and it's pretty amazing to hear.
2: Start tearing this ship apart piece by piece until you find found those tapes. Find the passengers in this vessel. I want them alive!
0: Now, here's the final version.
1: Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive!
0: Here it is again on set morphing into what we hear in the final film.
1: Start tearing this ship apart, by like piece You, you. those and plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive.
0: Vader also needed a sound for when he used the Force, the mysterious power of the Jedi and the evil Sith. But what would something like that even sound like?
2: The Force is another one of those sounds that just is so menacing and works perfectly in, in I think, in every scene that it's in. The Force is intangible,
0: but incredibly powerful. And it needed to be felt by the audience, even though they can't see it. Ben used deep, low frequency rumbles for the sound. He got it from a few places, including thunder, slowed way down, with all of its high frequencies rolled off. A similar treatment was used for a missile launch.
1: And some of it was uh, from the Fox Library, actually. It was some earthquake material made for a journey to the center of the earth.
2: I think it works so well in the scenes that it's in because it's almost like scary in how simple it is. It, it could have very easily been an, an overt sci-fi spell cast kind of, kind of hybrid sound. And it would have probably been too much and it would have evoked the wrong feeling. But when it's just this simple low rumble, you can really feel the space around Darth Vader when he uses it. It's just like, it's terrifying. Making the sound effects for Darth Vader had its challenges.
0: But finding voices for the non-human characters was even harder. Ben's first assignment was to develop Chewbacca's voice, and they wanted to hear samples of it before they even started
1: shooting. Because it would be an aid in the actual directing of the film.
0: Chewbacca was famously played by Peter Mayhew. But again, Mayhew wasn't the voice of Chewbacca. Here's how Chewbacca sounds in the final film. Well,
1: you said it, Chewie.
0: But while filming, Peter Mayhew often spoke Chewie's lines in English. So here's what Chewie sounded like on the set.
2: That old man's mad.
1: You said it, Chewie.
2: I think some people believe that that Chewbacca's voice was actually performed by Peter Mayhew or by an actor in the studio or you know, by some human being, but it was not performed by a human being. To get Chewie's voice, Ben recorded all kinds of animals.
1: Walruses and lions and badgers and sick animals and, you know, domestic and all sorts of things.
0: But there was one animal he kept
1: coming back to that became the source of Chewy's voice. A cute little pet bear named Pooh who lived on a farm in Tehachapi, California.
2: Ben Bert would go out to this farm and collect just hours of these recordings of this bear. Ben started categorizing these animal sounds by emotion.
1: I took the angry sounds and put them in one collection. I took the cute sounds and put them in another. I took the sounds, which sounded like an animal asking a question. At least the intonation was such that it sounded inquisitive.
0: He tweaked the sounds to give them just the right character.
1: Slow the recordings down, maybe speed other things up, and manipulate the bits of recordings. And I would essentially started a word list for the Wookiee.
2: And he would then later in the film, look through these folders that are based on emotions and sort of say, okay, well, Chewbacca is happy here, or he's angry, and he would throw them in based on, on what the scene felt like.
1: All right, don't lose your temper. I'll come right back and give you a hand.
0: It was clear from the beginning that Chewie's voice would involve animal sounds, but for R2-D2, there was no obvious starting point. R2 is a machine that we need to feel is alive. It was one of the most difficult challenges Ben faced.
1: Here we had supposedly a machine that was going to talk, it was going to act, it was going to draw on our emotions, yet it was a machine.
0: In the beginning, Ben tried a bunch of computerized mechanical sounds, but nothing he tried had enough character. Ben started experimenting with human sounds that he could combine with electronic sounds.
1: That way, we would still might be able to have the character of a machine, but get the personality and the emotion of a living organism.
0: It was a start, but neither of them knew where this human sound should come from. George Lucas at one point mentioned that baby recordings might work.
1: Cooing and sighing and little vocalizations they make as they learn to talk.
0: Still, nothing quite seemed to fit. Until one day when Ben and George were discussing the voice and imitating what it might sound like.
1: Making little funny noises as we kind of describe what R2 might be like.
0: As Ben and George cooed and beeped at each other, it dawned on them that maybe they didn't need recordings of babies or anything else. Maybe Ben could give R2 its human side. He experimented with playing an ARP synthesizer while whistling and beeping at the same time.
1: And through a lot of practice, I would get something that sounded expressive.
0: Ben's voice turned out to be the magic ingredient that gave R2-D2 its quirky, adorable personality. Okay, let's go. Performing that voice meant that Ben could also add voice actor to his long list of duties on Star Wars. Ultimately, it's that level of dedication and achievement that makes Ben such an inspiration to sound designers.
2: I think sound designers keep coming back to it for inspiration because of how much emotion he captured in, in every sound. He takes all of these opportunities to include performance in something that may not even need it. Like the lightsaber, for example. He took the extra effort to actually swing the microphone around in time with the video himself. R2-D2's voice being him just performing his own voice, like whistling with a synthesizer, things like that. He really took every opportunity to put emotion into things that otherwise could have just been done very cheaply and and blandly. It's those things, I think, that separate him from a lot of other sound designers, not only of the time, because he was clearly in a class of his own at the time, but just even today.
0: If Ben Burt had retired after Star Wars, he still would have been a sound design legend. Fortunately for us, Star Wars was only the beginning of Ben's long career. Ben's impact on sound design is so huge that it's hard to imagine what the field would even be like without him. His influence is especially important to sci-fi. Ben's mastery of sound helps audiences suspend their disbelief and lose themselves in these strange alien
2: worlds. Sound design gives all the authenticity to these weapons that you're hearing. It gives all the authenticity to these environments. Without it, I don't think Star Wars would have been anywhere near as popular as it's become because people wouldn't believe what they were seeing. When people first see A New Hope, they're not thinking about sound design, but they're they're just believing what they're seeing because of the sound design. And when sound is done well, that's of course what it does.
1: When you use sounds gathered in the outside world, the real world, and you bring them into a science fiction film, you get the credibility of those sounds to sell to the audience the reality of what's really just a very fantastic world.
0: 20,000 Hertz is hosted by me, Dallas Taylor, and produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. Find out more at DeFactoSound.com This episode was written and produced by Casey Emerling And me, Dallas Taylor. With help from Sam Sneebly. It was sound
1: designed and mixed by Jai Berger.
0: Special thanks to Marshall McGee. Marshall made all of the recreated sound effects for this episode. He's also the host of a fantastic YouTube channel called Waveform. It was actually his YouTube video called The Sound Design Secrets of the Star Wars Universe that was the inspiration for this episode. You should immediately go subscribe to Waveform on YouTube. Ben Burtt's interview clips came from the 1993 Star Wars Laserdisc box set, a commentary track from the Star Wars Blu-ray, episode 46 of the Commentary Track podcast, a 1989-2020 interview, an ABC documentary called Screen, Stage, and Television, and a special feature on the WALL-E DVD. The music in this episode came from Sound of Picture and Bed. If there's a show topic that you are dying to hear... You can tell us in tons of different ways. My favorite way that you can tell us is by writing a review. In that review, tap five stars and then give us your show idea. If your podcast app doesn't do this, you can always tell us your show idea on Twitter, Facebook, or by writing hi at 20k.org. Thanks for listening.